You are listening to Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast with host Maria Nadipov, helping step parents transform family chaos into meaningful and harmonious co parenting. Hi, step parents. Welcome back to part two of the conversation with Rose Schlaff, a pelvic physical therapist, intimacy coach, and founder of Be Well with Rose LLC. This week, we are continuing our discussion about sex and intimacy. We cover why and how your body image plays a role in intimacy, how to love your body, the surprising gift of sharing your whole truth, and why and how to talk to your kids about sex. I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. When Rose and I first met, we quickly bonded over our passion about the need to bring to light issues that most of us struggle with, but aren't often discussed and feel uncomfortable to talk about. So grab a beverage and join us for the ride. You won't regret it. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Rose Schlaff. She believes that courageously reclaiming pleasure on a daily basis is the key to health, wealth, and happiness. Dr. Rose has spent the last six years healing women and queer leaders overcoming parenthood overwhelm so they can reclaim a deep connection with their body and their partners for years to come. Besides her coaching, Rose educates sex educators, therapists, counselors as a guest lecturer of the University of Michigan's Human Sexual Certificate Program and San Diego State University's Marriage and Family Therapy Sexuality and Intimacy course. She also lectures internationally on the topic of sexual and pelvic health. Rose is unapologetically queer and believes pleasure is her radical resistance. She lives in San Diego, California with her partner Nikki and two black cats, Shadow and Rugby, where she spends most of her time rock climbing, dancing, and exploring nature. Find the show notes for this episode at synergisticstepparenting.com forward slash 49. Here we go. How does, do you think body image play into the lack of intimacy or not having intimacy that people want with their romantic partner. We mentioned a couple of things about society and that on the show, we've talked a lot about how kids' brains when we're young are like sponges and they're basically Mm. absorbing absolutely everything and anything Mm. that they come in contact with, be that from parents sending certain signals or setting precedents or the media or other things or ideas or concepts that they're being exposed to. We tend to really take that on, but we don't have the best memory at those ages because this this happens zero to seven in particular. Mm -hmm. So we don't necessarily remember those things and therefore later on, we can't pinpoint and say, oh, this comes from that. And let me change them because now I know other information about it. So it tends to get hardwired in. And then of course, as we learn new information, there can be these conflicting things created within us where like logically we understand certain things and choose certain things, but yet in our bodies or in our behavior or sort of an automatic response, we might be tending to respond in a surprising way that we aren't necessarily thrilled with or don't want to be doing. Um, Could you speak a little to that? Yes. So much to say here, but (laughs) I think a lot of our conversation already has touched a little bit on this. It's going into those shoulds of what my body should look like. Mm -hmm. And it's also putting us in that shining the spotlight outwards phase of how are other people receiving my body? And is it deemed attractive or worthy or desirable based on society? And I do think that naming, oh my gosh, we absorb so much, not just zero to seven, but throughout our whole lives, but especially 
zero to seven, so much is just going and going and going in. And it becomes these subconscious beliefs where we don't really even realize where they've come from, but we just know that it feels off or we feel off when we look at a certain part of our body. And there's not a one size fits all here. This is a journey and there's many different things that we can do. But I think that starting with the acknowledgement of, hmm, there's a lot of beliefs in my head and some of them I agree with and some of them I don't, but they are sticky. Mm-hmm. And how do I name these are there? I'm acknowledging them. I'm noticing when they're coming up and how do I start to unstick them? And just like our brain can learn a new skill, like riding the bike or playing the guitar, we can learn a new way of thinking. It just takes a little bit of practice. And the way that I like to think about this is imagine you're, you've walked on a path the same way for 20, 30 years. And that path is probably pretty well worn if you're walking it every single day and you know, the path, it's kind of autopilot, you go down it, you don't have to think about it. And trying a new route might be scary, it might feel like a shift, there might be tons of overgrowth, you might need to take a machete with you on the walk. (laughs) But every day that you practice that new route, it becomes more of a habit. So it's about having compassion with yourself and saying, "Mm, Oh, my gosh, it makes perfect sense that I feel some kind of way about my body. Wow. When I just look at the media and the way that my parents talked about bodies and the way that my peers talked about bodies and gosh, what I see on a daily basis about bodies. Wow. It makes perfect sense that I'm feeling this way. And even when I'm noticing these thoughts coming up, I still totally and completely love and accept myself. I would say that would be the first step is having Mm -hmm. compassion with yourself and acknowledging where this comes from. Yeah. The other piece of it is knowing that sometimes we can't go from a space where we're really feeling disgust or unhappiness with our body all the way to body positivity. I think that can feel like a really big jump for people. And so giving yourself permission to have baby steps, building in moments of body neutrality or body gratitude, maybe even saying, I'm open to the possibility that one day I may not hate my stomach. It's just very neutral, or I'm grateful that my stomach digests my food grateful that it does that. And I'm just naming something that I am happy it's there. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to eat my delicious food (laughs) and starting, starting to just change the conversation little by little, these baby steps will build up. That's so beautiful. I love this tangible way that like you're saying, noticing the thoughts and then starting to neutralize them. That that's just so powerful to really start shifting. And that Sometimes you have to go a little bit downstream. You can't make the full leap (laughs) to where you're hoping to end up. That's really awesome. What are the best tips for how people can start to shift, to create more intimacy with their partner or maybe better intimacy or whatever it is that they're hoping to have more of? Because we talked about what people can do within themselves to start to get into and get primed for all of that. But now what would be some tips for the connection I'm assuming is maybe at at the root of that, but I'm not sure you you have better words. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I understand you completely. So I, I think that it does always start with us. It starts with attuning to 
what feels good and what feels bad or not good <laughs> and yeah. giving ourselves permission to validate, mm-hmm. okay, it doesn't need to feel 10 out of 10 bad for me to speak up practicing the courageous skill of sharing your internal landscape with your partner. That is the cornerstone of intimacy that is so hard for us because we want our feelings to be understood, but we also just don't want to hurt anyone else's feelings. We want our partner to be protected and know that they're loved and not feel bad about themselves. And it can be really difficult to share, but I love encouraging my clients to start any shares with an overarching goal. Say, I really just didn't like it when you squeezed my knee on the couch. And I don't know why I don't like it. It just makes me feel less than a hundred percent. Yes. And gosh, you know, I know my partner doesn't mean anything by it and I don't want to hurt their feelings. It's not that big of a deal. It doesn't bother me that much. I'll just swallow it. Might be the first approach and your partner never knows, keeps doing it, thinks you like it and you swallow it little by little every single day that builds up. And the next baby step from that might be saying, I just love when we are in physical contact. I love when you rub my shoulders. I love when you put your arm around me. And I'm not sure why, but I'm finding that my body doesn't really like it when you squeeze my knee when we're sitting on the couch. How might it feel if we just stuck to my upper body for touch? Because I really want us to be on the same page. And I know that we both want to connect and I'm excited for more connection with you. So creating that opening of, Hey, here's the overarching goal. I know that you don't have bad intentions. I want to connect with you more too. And also here's my truth. I'm not explaining myself. I couldn't, even if I wanted to, I don't have an explanation and I don't need one. And here's what I need. And here's what I'd like. Are you open to it? And what I find is there's so much fear around how it will be received. But when we come with a really kind and clear self-focused approach, most partners receive that beautifully. And instead of having these little moments of frustration or little moments where we're having to swallow something that doesn't quite feel good, we're able to just feel more connected and our partners, we're kind of giving them the manual, right? You're like, here's how this works. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. And they don't have to wonder, what are they thinking? Do they like this? Do they not like this? So I think the first piece is really being courageously truthful and validating that even if it's not a big no, your no's are important. Your no's are valid. And even if it's a meh, let's talk about it because Mm -hmm. we can probably go from a meh to a yes. And I would much rather you be having multiple yes interactions with your partner outside of the bedroom, because that's going to build safety and trust for your nervous system. And it's going to be connecting you emotionally. And it's going to be much easier for your nervous system to relax and enjoy when you do connect physically, both in and out of the bedroom. That is such beautiful advice. I love that. And I love how Again, it's simple. We tend to have this idea that we don't have permission and we assume just because we're giving some feedback that isn't a million percent positive, (laughs) that it's necessarily negative and it can be neutral. And I think what's often missed for our clients I work with, because these kinds of things come up in various aspects of their relationship and the interactions. And it's so interesting because what we often miss is that 
by doing so, we're actually opening the door for them to also share with us their truth. So it's just more and more connection, more and more openness, therefore better and better interactions, relationship, more of what you want, the Mm -hmm. more you get to know each other because we're never the same person and our wants and needs are different, but also they can change over time as well. So opening that door to those kinds of truthful and open conversations and that it's a safe place to have them is such a beautiful gift that we're not only giving to ourselves, but also to our partner, anyone that we have a relationship with when we show up that way fully. That's yeah. really awesome. I love that you named that evolution and our wants and needs are constantly evolving and something that might feel good to you one day might not feel so good the next and vice versa. And if we can have compassion with ourselves and openness and honesty, we know that we can keep that intimate connection, regardless of if our wants and needs are shifting, we're just feeling confident in our ability to communicate it with our partner and our partner can actually relax more and say, I trust that they're going to tell me, mm-hmm. they're going to tell me if something changes and to be on high alert and be trying to read someone's mind and be like, I don't know. She seems <laughs> like she used to like this, but now it doesn't seem like she likes it. Is it me? Is she not attracted to me? Is she mad at me? Did I do something wrong? Our brains are such storytellers. And with that gray area of the unknown, there's so many stories that come in and being clear is the best thing you can do for your relationship and your intimacy in any arena. Beautiful. That's awesome. Why is it important for parents to speak to their kids about sex? We're just going to dive right into the yes. heart of it. <laughs> yes, it is so important. And I just want to name that doing our own work is the key to healing future generations. We have seen how much beliefs, experiences, traumas, even cultural impacts of coming down the line. I'm a Jew. I know that there's a lot of trauma in my ancestral line. And I think that just naming how much gets carried down is so important. And so starting with yourself, you'll probably see a theme here. (laughs) It's always, always starting with you, but having more comfortability with having these conversations with your partner allows you to create more comfortability with the conversations that you're having with your kids and kids are intuitive. They know if you're not comfortable with something, and if you're opening a conversation that you feel uncomfortable with, or if you feel like, Oh God, I hope they don't ask me anything. They aren't going to feel a desire or an interest in asking you, they're going to go to the internet. And if you can really be with yourself and say, Okay. I have looked at how this shows up in my life. I've looked at how this shows up in my partnership. I'm not perfect. None of us are, but I'm working on getting more comfortable with these conversations. And it's important to me to talk to my kids so that they aren't having to unearth as much unconscious BS as I have. They are going to have a shorter landing strip, a shorter mountain to climb because they're not having to overcome so much. And that's really the goal. And this is not just one conversation. I really want to highlight this. This is conversations about body autonomy, body literacy, consent, boundaries, pleasure, tuning into our emotions and how they live in our body and how we interact with our friends, our loved ones, how we share what's going on inside of us and share with other people and allow them to see us completely. All of that 
is related to talking about sex with your kids. It's not just one birds and bees talk. I so agree with you. And I also want to highlight, so I'm a huge advocate for everything you just said. We have to be brave and be willing to go there ourselves and really unpack and unearth, like you said, all of the things that we've been through, various things that have had a significant impact, maybe things we've literally lived through. Perhaps there was a trauma somewhere that we need to heal through and we either didn't have the resources or didn't realize it or they do. And so those wounds that don't go away by themselves, they can get buried, but it's important to for sure address them and get support if necessary or where necessary to heal through that and make sense of it in order to move on from it so that it can become a scar. And then you can talk to your kids about it from a place of you've truly healed through it as opposed to it's a gaping open wound. And now you're sort of dripping all of that onto them and it's getting messy and muddy and unclear and scary, which is definitely not something that you, you ever want to do with kids. But I also want to say, so I'm a big fan of starting those conversations really early. Like when kids are starting to become cognizant of their bodies, probably around maybe four or five years old, sometimes six. It does depend a little bit on the child because emotional maturity happens on our own (laughs) timeline, not necessarily always on the expected milestone timeline that scientists or researchers or doctors will mention. And so I love the idea of it does feel a little uncomfortable and maybe you are a little bit awkward about it as a parent, but that's okay because some of this is a little awkward. So it's like, it's okay for it to be a little awkward, but also still feel good and allow it to be a little awkward together and figure it out together. And that boundary and the comfortability, like what you were saying, because the truth is our kids also may not be completely comfortable. They might be confused. They might just be uncomfortable because they actually understand what's going on. And they're like, Oh, I don't want to talk about it with you, which is all part of the evolution of these discussions. And in a sense, we were talking about intimacy very appropriately. So because this is kind of another aspect of intimacy of building that relationship with our kids is to be able to have these very open, very vulnerable and sensitive conversations with them, both about our experiences, but also about their experiences. And in order to be able to be a true resource and support for them. And like you said, as soon as they sense oh, there's some sort of a wall or, oh, I'm not sure if they just told me the truth. And we tune into that on a very subconscious level. It's going to feel uncomfortable. They're going to go to all their friends who probably don't know very much and (laughs) learn a bunch of stuff that is taken out of context that is not going to support them. And that's the key. If we want to play that supportive role to help them navigate difficult decisions because let's face it, mistakes are par for the course for all of us. That's how we learn. And certainly when kids are trying to figure things out, that's going to be there. It's inevitable. So the question is, are they going to come to you to navigate that and talk about it and lean on you? Or are they going to keep it a secret and try to handle it on their own and maybe make things way worse than they would have been had they just gotten some decent advice or had a safe place to go? I think it's so important. And if ideally, like you said, definitely these conversations have to happen multiple times. They have to evolve. They have to grow as the understanding grows. And also because kids, as they're developing, things don't stick quite as well. So it takes several iterations for them to fully get it. And oftentimes just as people, when we're learning new concepts, we need to hear it in a bunch of different ways before it clicks for us. But I want to still say that even if you have a teenager and say you've never talked to them about any of this stuff, it's not too late 
just start and name the awkwardness and name that it's going to feel a little weird and still show that you're here for it and that you are willing to walk through that journey with them and that you really want to have them help you navigate through that and that there are things you don't know and maybe you could learn together. And there are certainly resources out there that you guys can both look into to help guide some of these conversations so that you don't have to pull things out of thin air. Just really want to make sure to get that message across because I think sometimes when we feel like we don't have the answers, we feel so much pressure as parents to have Mm -hmm. all the answers Mm -hmm. and we can lose sight of the big thing, which is First of all, none of us have all, all the answers ever. That's not possible. But also that we're here to help kids navigate. We're here to be a guide and we're here to hopefully model in these situations where something is overwhelming, uncomfortable, uncertain, just a really big, expansive thing that has multiple components, encouraging them and helping them. How and where do you start? And that it's okay to be a novice and it's okay to feel awkward and that doesn't preclude starting. (laughs) Yeah. I love that you mentioned just name, name your awkwardness, name your uncomfortableness. Like you can say, I know we don't talk about these types of things often. I know it might feel uncomfortable or awkward. I feel that sometimes too, and that's okay. And maybe there's something that I don't know, and we'll figure it out together and just being Mm -hmm. so open and honest. And there's so many incredible resources. I have a resource that's called Let's talk about sex. That would be something for you to start your own work with. And you can find that at www.bewellwithrose.com slash talk. And it's basically a fill in the blank Mad Lib of just helping you shine the spotlight inwards and attune Mm. to yourself, attune to, I feel most connected to my partner when I really enjoy this in and out of the bedroom. And you can do it with yourself and you can do it with your partner and get some of the awkward jitters out, get some of the, if it feels awkward, great, you're doing it right. And you can (laughs) laugh at it and you can make fun of me and be like, Oh my God, look at this, you know, look at this guy. Like, I can't believe it's asking us this, but it will still be beneficial. And so do this first check in with yourself. And then once you've been like, okay, I talked to myself about (laughs) sex. I talked to my partner about sex. Now I can take on this Everest of talking to my teenager or talking, however old your kid is. But the example you gave was teenager where you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't had any of these conversations. How do I start here? And there's a fabulous website called sex positive families. That is an excellent database of resources. There's tons of fabulous resources on the website itself. There's lots of age appropriate resources about boundaries, consent, pleasure, sexual health, safety, all of these conversations and really just opening the door, just saying, you know, just like we talked about, start with what you want and why you're doing this. So I'm realizing that we have never really talked about sex or intimacy or pleasure. And I know that you're in high school or however old your kid is. And, you know, depending on how old this will be different age appropriate wise, but you know, I know that you're in high school. I know we've never talked about this. I know it might feel awkward and uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but I really want you to feel safe and supported. And I really want to be having these conversations with you because my parents never had these conversations with me. And I had to find out a lot of information X, Y, and Z from my friends, from rumors, from TV. And 
that was really hard for me because I didn't learn until later what I actually liked and what I actually needed and what felt good to me and how to talk about these things. And so I want to start this conversation now. I don't want to wait any longer and we can talk as little or as much about it right now as you want, but do you have any questions about this? Can we have a more open dialogue about these things? Would that be okay if we step into an awkward or uncomfortable conversation together? Do you think we can handle it? And just naming that and taking some of the danger away from awkwardness. I think we're so afraid of awkwardness. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Rose is amazing. I find her passion and enthusiasm for her work to be contagious. And I love the caring, guiding ease with which she speaks about topics that are often really sensitive and uncomfortable for many of us. So to recap, we discussed how and why body image plays into intimacy, how to move towards loving your body and creating more intimacy with your partner, the surprising gift you give your partner when you share your whole truth, and why and how to talk to your kids about sex. The conclusion of our conversation with Rose is coming up next week, so be sure to tune in then. From our conversation so far, I think it's safe to say you don't want to miss it. And I, of course, have some action items for you. Please be sure to check out Rose's links. She has some amazing free resources to help you on your journey of having these conversations and reclaiming your sexuality. Also, check out the wonderful resources she shared to help you navigate these conversations with your kids. And if you haven't yet listened to last week's episode, check it out. Find the links to all of that and more in the show notes. One powerful way to sustain new knowledge is to share highlights from what you've learned. So shoot me a DM on LinkedIn at Synergistic Step Parenting or on Facebook at Maria Nadipov and share your biggest takeaways and ahas. Until next time, my friends, be well. Thanks for tuning into Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you don't miss a thing. If you like what you hear and you find the information helpful, please rate us five stars and leave a review letting us know what you like about the show on Apple Podcast. Don't know how? Don't worry. We'll include instructions in the show notes. And if you know of other step parents who can benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. John Swain did our theme music. Thanks, John. Thanks, John.